0: Good morning. Hello, everybody. We should be live and going here. Let's see if that. Yep. It's like we're all good. Good morning. Hello and welcome to another live edition of Critical Q&A, the show where I answer your questions and this time based on what you put in the chat box. Uh, rather than send by email, which is what we usually do. And you can see I am joined by my beautiful wife, Melissa, <laughs> who's going to help me do uh, comment watching and stuff and um, and see if we can't uh, get a lot of questions answered in this episode because that's what I love to do, and I know that's why you guys are here. Um, okay, let's see. I wanted to put a little plug in, as I am usually want to do in my Q&A episodes for my podcast this week. I don't know if you guys uh saw or have any interest in that direction, but the comments and feedback on the podcast I posted yesterday, which is about vampires in myth and lore and legend. And this is a very different topic for me to do as a podcast subject. I've never gone off into that realm particularly before. Um I think the closest I've ever gone off into some foray like that was when I did a Star Wars episode. And a lot of fun. I have admired, enjoyed, really been thrilled by and fascinated by the entire concept of vampires my entire life. And, um, I mean, Salem's Lot was I read that book three times when I was a teenager. I just I love vampire books and vampire stories. And. um and you were you were kinda into some of that stuff too. Oh right? yeah,
1: definitely. You know, I loved all that silly vampire stuff growing up. I loved Dracula and I loved Interview with the Vampire, of course. I watched that movie a million times when I was in junior high. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate
1: and, movie for a junior high kid. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, so um yeah, so that's um uh anyway so the podcast was posted about vampires and so far like i said all the comments and feedback on it i don't know i got four down votes and like 50 up votes or something and i'm like i don't even know what the down votes are for because nobody had any negative comments about the show um (laughs) but anyway i wanted to see i wanted to plug that um somebody's asking did i like underworld and um I didn't really. I thought the idea of vampires running around with guns and and in a Matrix-style world fighting werewolves was a little... I don't know. Maybe, it, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I missed the demographic for them. Maybe I was a little too old when it came out, and so I didn't get into it in the years when I would have. As a teenager, where I probably would have thought a lot more about it and, yeah. and would have thought it was a lot more interesting, I'd been too... Enmeshed in the vam- in the Classic vampire imagery And lore And I'd already done a deep dive Of my own as a kid on vampire Lore and stuff so I was kind of Really into old school Vampires and so Underworld Was sort of you know flipping the script In a mm-hmm. couple of ways and I, I just couldn't Get into it But I don't know what did you think of it
1: I, I wasn't that into it either It just, just kind of silly to me
0: Yeah it seemed a little silly It seemed a little silly <laughs> A vampire cannot be a werewolf. No, they are two different things, Henny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for one thing, um, oh, yes. Chris Saran in Fright Night. Yeah, hell yeah. That was now that. To me, Fright Night was a goofy, campy, perfect yeah, vampire movie. Yeah,
1: it was a good movie.
0: I just, I loved it. And I actually thought it was one of the few times where they did a remake um, with... Uh, Colin Farrell playing mm-hmm, the vampire mm-hmm. um, and it was actually uh, were, I thought the remake was was just as good as the original because they it was almost a little bit of a reimagining they took the same basic characters and did different things with them in a different town yeah. in Vegas of all places anyway I thought that was yeah, real good let
1: me in right? one in oh yeah. that
0: now that was yeah. that was hardcore vampire horror yeah. That was really good. Take it take yourself seriously, really get down and dirty and let's do vampires like old mm-hmm. school. Hey Couch, thank you for that. Hey Alex. Yes, Salem's lot favorite king too. That's right. Um You know, I never have seen the entire Nosferatu Klaus version from beginning to end. I have seen lots of parts of it and um in the podcast we talk about the movie called, I think, in the Shadow of the Vampire or something like that, where they it was a it was a, um, a movie about the making of Nosferatu from the viewpoint of what if the vampire was real? What if Nosferatu was a real vampire? And that was played by um, Willem uh, Defoe. Oh, okay. he's the one who played Nosferatu. I think it was in the Shadow of the Vampire, something like that. Um, yeah, Shadow of the Vampire. Nice. Yeah, John Malkovich, William Defoe, Carrie Always.
1: Ooh, that sounds like
0: a it was. It was good
1: movie with all those guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. I did not enjoy the Salem's Lot uh, film, Roblo video, version. TV version. <laughs> yeah, did not enjoy that. Uh, anyway, wow. Talked about vampires a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love vampires. Really, really, really have always, always have really been into the, Oh yes, and the Lost Boys. Oh my God. The Lost Boys. Yeah. I, it was almost my theme movie I as a teenager. That growing up, <laughs> oh, that man.
1: Up. Another movie I watched when I was oh, probably a little too young.
0: But. Yeah. Oh, I wa- i wanted to be Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, I was yeah. just like, that is the look.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, excuse me. Yep. Interview with the vampire. Good one. Herzog's is a homage to the classic 1920s. Oh, yeah. No, I'll have to see. Yeah, I'll have to. um, I'll have to see that stuff. Yeah, I knew I knew Shadow of the Vampire was a different one. Anyway. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to check that out. Right. And uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. That was it was the last good JC film. Yeah, it was a little over the top, but I did enjoy it. (laughs) And I really enjoyed the book it was based on uh, by John Stakely, I think was their author of that he wrote this book vampires and the s had a was a dollar sign because it was about vampire hunters who worked for the catholic church and ran around finding and killing vampires for you know uh because they were real yeah anyway that was kind of fun that's that does sound kind of fun yeah exactly um okay i guess we should get out to answering some questions we had a couple at the beginning craig chris put a couple questions down So let me go ahead and get to those. While if you guys have more questions for us, uh, you know, about anything, okay? I'm happy to answer more questions about vampires, but also Scientology or whatever you want to know from me. Uh, This is the forum to do it. Or, of course, from my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Um, Okay, so what do we got? The first question from Chris
1: was... Will we ever see David Miscavige walking the streets in Clearwater or L.A., or is he heavily guarded so he's not hit with reporter questions or a subpoena? Can DM just go for a walk if he wanted?
0: Okay. Um, Theoretically, yes, he could in the same way in Hollywood. Actually, not in in the same way, in a much easier way than somebody like a Tom Cruise. I mean, people are going to recognize Tom Cruise way before they're going to recognize David Miscavige. Although Miscavige does have face, you know, value, recognition. Um, So it could be a problem in certain places for him to just go out in public. Um, But more to the point with Miscavige is his temperament and his attitude is he's never going to go out in public. He's terrified of the big, wide world. Um, And I don't mean of the world as a world. I mean, the the people like us, you know, who are going to confront him and going to ask him sharp and pointed questions about, Scientology, And in this day and age, especially getting catcalled on the street, having people just yell at you um, is, you know, is fairly common. I mean, I imagine he, you know, even might get the finger from some people who recognize sure. him, you know, kind of an uncomfortable experience. So instead of going through any of that, he has the uh, privilege of money and influence so that he can. Have his own private security force, which he has, and they are private security. They're, he's got Sea Org security, and then he's got professional level private security. Um, both, and um, I think I think the Sea Org are what coordinate those activities. But um, both are in play around him, and um, and he's guarded twenty four seven. He's there, there are people who always know where his body is, always know. You know, what his schedule and agenda is and plan for it. And um, and it's a closely guarded thing. You know, I've I've commented before that David Miscavige's schedule is one of the most closely guarded secrets in Scientology. You just don't know where he's gonna be or what he's gonna be doing. And um, that's for security purposes, you know. I believe I've I mean you hear I never heard when I was in Scientology. It's been sort of speculated since I've gotten out that he's terrified of being assassinated. Oh, and, you know, he thinks people are after him. And, of course, that would fit with his personality type. But I don't know that that's true. But I do know that he values his privacy. And um, and he doesn't want people, you know, bursting his bubble and, and getting into his bubble world. He's He's got this very curated manicured life and and it's and it's a pretty good one in terms of uh, quality of life and uh and the uh value excuse me of that life but yeah he's a vampire <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's a psychic vampire that's what david miscavige is and he and he sort of lives off the energy of fear is what, it, is what it seems to be the case, you know, from the way that he acts and the things that he does to people and the the uh, proclivities and the, the the habits he has, the ways he likes to torture or, or hurt people or punish them. He's very punishment drive oriented to the point that it seems pleasurable to him because uh, he does it so damn often, you know, and he's never seemed to, we've never heard one single report from anybody who knew him of any time that he voiced regret, that he voiced sorrow, that he voiced um, some kind of like, wow, I really wish I hadn't done that. That was reprehensible. I feel so bad about that. He's Mm -hmm. never expressed remorse. Um, So those things are telling, you know, so that's kind of, uh, that's that. Yeah.
1: All right. Next. Chris asks, everyone says Scientology is crumbling, but nobody can give an actual time frame until it crumbles. Five years? Ten years? When do you think exactly?
0: Okay. So, um, so I've, I got myself out of the prediction business a couple years ago in terms of predicting Scientology's demise. I say, of course, eventually, you know, it will fall because all things do. It takes a surprisingly long amount of time for some of these organizations and idea sets and belief sets to really die off. I mean, you had i don't remember the specific names I didn't commit it to memory when I heard about this, but I was talking with Christian Zerko one time, and he i believe on on my on my channel here, and he brought up the fact it was either him or John Atak who brought up the fact that there was one group um Oh, God, actually, now that I think about it, maybe it was Joe Zimhardt. Anyway, it was <laughs> my, my brain. Um, there was one group in the late 18, mid to late 1800s, I believe, that never totaled more than about, you know, 40 or 50 people. And it wasn't for like 100 years before the last person finally died off and that group was no more. You know, it can take an incredibly long time. As people raise their kids with this stuff, and it, the ideas spread and 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 sort of change and morph over time, that's kind of the natural process. Um, so, so are we going to see Scientology just kind of poof, or you know, just going to blow up, or is it going to gradually fade away, or is it just going to be something you only find in used bookstores, or will there be? Uh, Orthodox Scientology versus uh, Eastern (laughs) Orthodox Scientology versus, you know, the um, the um, American uh, Eastern Conference (laughs) of official independent Scientologists who will battle it out with the Western unofficial advanced organization of Nevada. I mean, yeah, I'm just making these names up, but, you know, like this, these things could easily happen. And so if they do, they already are happening. In fact, there is a advanced organization of the Great Plains. That's a real independent Scientology organization. And there is a independent Church of Scientology out there that's officially incorporated as far as I understand. So um, I like that comment, Robert. (laughs) Um, So... Will it ever really die is the question there, right? Which I'm sort of meandering around to is, you know, can you, you know, ideas are bulletproof. That is a a shirt that I have um, that I, I believed very much to be true. And the so the idea of Scientology is something that's probably going to be around forever or, you know, for a good, good, good long time. Um, but, you know, the official Church of Scientology as it stands now there are so many things that could happen between now and 10 years from now that could spell the demise, the organizational demise of Scientology. Absolutely that could occur. Either through something happening to Miscavige, something something happening through tax exemption, something happening through some other channel, um some black swan event, you know, that none of us can predict for that that will come along that will change our entire view of cults or our entire view of religion or something like that, that that's entirely plausible that that's something like that could occur. Um, but my statement on the matter at this point, after going through all of that is um, it depends, you know, but no, I don't see it just disappearing uh, overnight unless there, like I said, is some significant mm-hmm. event that, that, that happens. All
1: right. Cool. So CNC nine seven says with Scientology's Western member base dropping, is there any recorded numbers of how many members are being recruited in Asian African and Eastern European countries to bulk its membership base up?
0: Um, I, there are those numbers. They exist within the church, which the church of course is, Oh, Hey, thanks. J, JS. Uh, get to that one for sure. Um, Okay, new members, Eastern, yeah, Eastern countries. The church has those numbers. They have them down to the body and the dollar amount, um, but they're not transparent about that uh, at all. So we don't have access to those figures. What I surmise from what I've been hearing and seeing over the past, past many years from what people tell me privately and what I've seen publicly I believe that Scientology's main growth areas are now Taiwan, uh, not Russia anymore, because they pretty much clamped down and shut down over there. I mean, Russia, I don't I can't say for sure what's happening with independent Scientology in Russia. I think it's, you know, kind of ish, uh, maybe growing. It's hard for me to say. I don't have solid lines of communication into Russia so i'm really really only gleaning you know this stuff from this from the slimmest of information sources but it appears that it was that independent scientology was growing in russia to the degree that the that russia was coming down on the official church of scientology people were just going off and doing their own thing or continuing Scientology underground, uh, like they did in in Australia when it was banned there, you know, which is why a banning a religion, banning a group, is not just generally not a good idea for how you take it out. Anyway, um, I think the I think uh, the East, you know, those the Taiwan that area is where they're having their 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 most growth or most influx. Um, that's what I think based on what I've seen and heard. So, yeah, what I know. Yeah. And a
1: follow-up that same person also wanted to know if it's known how much they would be getting per person on average because there's vast economic differences between countries.
0: Yeah, there are, and they do change the pay, the amount that you have to pay the church for its services depending on the the location. Um, Because the pricing formulas are based on average income of, uh, you know, median, middle income households. Um, They use that to determine how much they should be charging for an auditing intensive. This is how the formula is supposed to work. I think it is. I think an auditing intensive is supposed to be one third of a monthly average income for an area. Is how this is sort of figured out. Ed, that's that might be overly simplistic, but I think that's how it generally was worked out. And um, uh, and so based on that is how you would figure out. Okay, if this is the standard intensive rate, proportionally you would recalculate the prices for everything else. And so um, I I believe they're probably taking in less raw income from those areas per service than they are, say, in the United States, where they tend to charge a lot more. We used to have people literally fly from the United States, in California, let's say, down to Mexico City, take a vacation, get a bunch of auditing. Intensives in, of auditing in Mexico City were hundreds of dollars versus thousands of dollars in the United States. Sometimes people would also fly all the way to South Africa for the exact same reason and uh, get cheaper auditing and this came up reports were filed about this this isn't right they shouldn't be doing this we couldn't find any policy against it and uh you know if some public person wanted to fly all the way around the world to get services somewhere else go for it you know it's a, as far as scientology inc you know int was concerned i guess it was all same same for them you know
1: all right and then fred flo asks do Scientologists believe that Scientology is a real religion, or do they think it's just for tax exemption?
0: Scientologists generally recognize that the tax exemption is the most important part of religious, religious recognition and IRS uh, recognition. So, um, the, you know, they don't put a lot of stock in, oh, this is my religion. Now, if challenged in any way, if threatened, if the church is under attack, anything like that, Scientologists will be more than happy to call it a religion, talk about their religious rights, talk about First Amendment rights, and um, you know, and in and in many ways, they're right. I mean that that those are their rights, and so and it is classified as a religious organization. So they have those rights. I don't happen to agree that it's a valid religious organization that's in the public benefit, um, but you know the IRS's uh, criteria on that are pretty slim, pretty pretty loosey goosey. So they get away with it. Um, so the Scientologists, generally speaking, it's certainly all the ones that I knew, and certainly me when I was in. You know, it was sort of a, 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 you know you knew you were making a hyperbolic statement when you said. Scientology is my religion, you know, like you were going out, you were making this like,
1: yeah, yeah. Nah,
0: you know, sort of thing. It was, you know, because none of us really thought of it that way. Um, Scientology church services are not churchy. You know, there's not a lot of like, Oh, you know, this awe and, and thunder <laughs> and lightning and the sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, you know, all this tapas- the th- these trappings and, And tradition of churches, none of that really exists inside Scientology. But they'll put on a they'll put on a show.
1: All right, Craig Seifert or Seifert. Can I please ask how come Scientologists still say things like it was better in the older, earlier days? Scientology. From what I have learned about it from you, there are flaws before too.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the first part of that. My bad. I got distracted. He says, what can I
1: please ask, how come Scientologists still say things like it was better in the older, earlier days? Scientology. Oh. <clears throat>
0: Why do they say that? Yeah. Well, because in many ways it was. I mean, my, my interview with my mom is particularly enlightening on this in terms of details, but it mainly has to do with the enforcement of ethics. Uh, at the public level, that's how Scientologists are most aware of how Scientology has has changed is, um, the, the, the severity, the, the degree of ethics, justice actions taken on them, the, um, the sort of, um, mm, I don't know. Culturally, I believe it's true that there was a ramp up of the reporting culture of Scientology, where we're writing reports on one another all the time sort of the snitch culture, right? I believe that ramped up under Miscavige. Uh, It already existed, certainly under Hubbard. But uh, Miscavige kind of took all of the really more authoritarian, you know, overreaching, invasive kind of policies of Scientology, and he sort of really heavily emphasized them. So disconnection comes back in vogue. Um, Like it never really was canceled. But it really came back with force under Miscavige in the 80s. I think it was 82 is when that really started coming back into stronger play. Um, This is also when the Mission Network got taken apart. And that was a huge, huge blow to Scientology's expansion, its, um, its outreach, and generally the culture of Scientology, because so many people were coming up through those missions and the missions the mission network which existed in California heavily but there were other successful missions in other parts of the world too these these guys were pulling in public with high powered vacuum cleaners i mean they had they had full course rooms they had packed auditing spaces and they really were delivering scientology at this high level business rate mm-hmm. right so um, Hubbard came in and destroyed all of that, and he used Miscavige to do it. And there, this was based on false reports, true reports. This was based on jealousy. This was based on ego and pride and greed. And there were a lot of reasons why that happened. And um, and the fact of the matter, it did. And that really, really changed the character of Scientology. Once those missions were. Kind of brought under heel and and basically destroyed. Many of them turned into orgs. This is where San Diego Org came from. Santa Barbara, Orange County. They used to be missions, and they were all converted over to orgs in this whole turnover and and changeover. So so Scientology almost didn't survive the eighties, and um, it was that much of a cultural shift. And so that's why you see people talk about the old and then and the modern Scientology in, in, in these distinctly different ways
1: all right kevin zay asks what is the prevalence of other new age beliefs such as chakras or healing crystals among practicing scientologists
0: oh scientologists don't use chakras or healing crystals those are other practices that's totally completely and 1000 percent verboten uh not allowed wow yeah
1: all right. Next, Chris asks, are there private eyes still on you and I don't mean notes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, as far now now to be, you know, totally up front, I've never claimed I had private investigators on me, although I suspect I have had um actually no, I, there was that one. There was this guy who we believe was a private investigator who was who was seemed to be doing some internet stuff. And um and That's all I'll say about that right now. I don't really want to give away everything I necessarily know about that particular thing. Yeah, sure. But um, uh, as far as I know, no, I'm not being surveilled or or followed or anything like that, Um, as far as I know.
1: All right. An ex-Scientologist wants to know, when will the cult of seven rule all?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're working on. That's why we're trying to get hashtag seven, the wonder cat going, right? Because we want seven's cult to to grow and flourish and prosper. and The seven certainly wants that.
1: Yeah, I would think. I mean, he
0: likes it when we bow down to him.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Of course he does. He likes it when anybody bows him and feeds him.
0: Yeah, exactly. And thank you, CNC, for that uh, super chat, by the way. All
1: right. So, where were we? Okay. Henny asks Did the C-Arg members receive a stimulus check? And if so, was it taken?
0: Oh, wow. I don't know. Huh. See, c members don't really pay taxes. Okay. Hmm. But I don't know if that was a requirement for a stimulus check. No,
1: because I know people that were like. are on disability going to... and stuff were getting in.
0: So. Yeah, they just weren't going to kids, but they were going to the adults.
1: Yeah.
0: As I mean, they probably would have gotten them. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: they probably would have gotten them. And, wow. And odds are that the church would say, hand them over. That's probably exactly what would happen, is the church would say, hand them over. I'll bet you that's what happened. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a couple of people about that. That's a good question.
1: All right. So then, <clears throat> Scientologist asks: Can I form a nonprofit organization that asks for donations that will be distributed to beneficial causes and call it a religion and get tax exempt status as a church?
0: Yes, it's that easy. <laughs> you have to com- You have to formulate a few other things. In order to comply with the uh 501c3 tax code requirements but basically yeah that's that's you could do that uh you have to come up with a creed you have to come up with some kind of like mission purpose statement sort of thing and some guiding principles and you know some religious you know iconography and stuff like that but yeah that's kind of how it works
1: all right so uh, the Paul 3D says, is it weird that I watch Scientology TV for fun sometimes? Like it's fascinating to get their view and craziness. And do you think that's dangerous?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think it's dangerous. <laughs> um, Cause you know what you're looking at, you know, yeah. and you're educated on it. I mean, I have gone on people's shows uh, v- recently. I've gone on people's podcasts and I've, and I, and they have asked me, You know, okay, they know Scientology is toxic. They know it's abusive. They know it's a destructive cult. But that's really all they know. So then they start asking me about it and I start explaining it to them. And I I can explain Scientology in a very favorable, you know, pro Scientology isn't this amazing kind of way. Or I can explain it in a more factual way. You know, obviously. So if I if I sort of play around a little bit with explaining it in a pro-Scientology favorable way and talk about its benefits and what it promises and the, the the sort of core dogma of it being a spiritual enlightenment practice with a practical tool set that you can use to solve the problems of your life. And these tools work and they do this and they do that. You know, excuse me, if I start explaining it that way, people start getting very interested in it. Even when they already know beforehand that this is an abusive group with destructive authoritarian overtones, so you know, so so there, so I guess in a way it's dangerous, but you know, not really. I mean, like I said, if you know what you're looking at, it's not, it shouldn't be a big deal. And I encourage people to do that. I want people to look at what Scientology puts out and see the gloss and glitz and glamour and and all that. You know, it's very shiny it's very bright and modern and 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 very uh you know chromey and oh yeah and sciency and and all that oh yeah um and it's all smoke and mirrors all of it all right what else we got
1: all right so next we have cnc 97 again and they ask or they say thanks for the answers very insightful one last question has there been any government or community resistance to scientology growth in Thailand?
0: I don't know. Uh, I'm not intimately familiar enough with the Thailand situation to know if the government's had any pushback. I have not heard of any, though. And I believe that if there had been any pushback, that I that there would have been newsworthy or there would have been some comment on that, even if it was just a story on Tony's blog. And I don't recall um, seeing anything about that on Mike or Tony's uh, channels.
1: All right. GHP. New York says, Hi guys, will there be any more ex uh Church of Scientology people interviews? I missed them and they were great.
0: Any ex-scientologist interviews? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um I interview people as opportunities present themselves. Um so, or you know, if someone comes along that I want to interview or I really want to get on the show, then I will reach out to them and be like, hey, let's let's talk. So um so yeah, there certainly could be. I I don't want to try to rehash the stories that have been told over and over again on other stations or channels or platforms or on Leah's show, for example. So you don't see me interviewing, you know, the same people you've already seen. And maybe that's one reason why you don't see a lot of um, interviews. One note on that, by the way, is that um, you know, it's not that the church didn't notice that a lot of people were coming out and speaking up. And apparently, I was told a couple of years ago that the that the process of people leaving changed. Oh. And especially from the base level where they really are in on some, um, you know, some some secrets and on miscavage and that sort of thing. And so now apparently they are paying them off more. And like big bucks, real NDAs that actually have teeth because the person's receiving a substantial amount of money for their silence. And so that's one reason why it's not that no one's left the base since the last person we interviewed. It's that they're not necessarily all coming forward or making themselves known. You know, there are also people that I used to work with who are um, ex-SO now. And I've been looking and watching and waiting for them to come out. And they have, but they're not speaking out. They will not talk to me, of course. I reach out to them to try to contact them. These were people who were friends of mine for 20 years. And they do not want to have anything to do with me now. But not surprising. But the point is that they've kind of they're taking more care to kind of put the the, the, the control, the hooks on the people when they leave. So that they are not speaking out more generally than they used to. It used to be a much more get out of here. We don't want to see you anymore sort of thing. So um, some supposition there, but um, but that's, that's what I've seen also.
1: All right. So Kevin Zay asked, are the private investigators that Scientology hire Scientologists themselves or do they just not give a crap about who their clients are as long as they are getting their money?
0: Both. I, I've seen, with my own two eyes, I have seen both. Um, there are Scientologists who have private investigator experience or law enforcement experience, and they will use those guys, and OSA will vet them and then, and then clear them. And they get to keep those guys on, under control with e-meters, and, and they use them as volunteers mostly. They don't pay them. The church is just the most scroogely, miserly outfit. If they can, it, they will pinch every penny. Um, so, but then at the same time, they then go hire, you know, private investigators. And I we've know known that. some of the the names of some of them, Dave. Uh, oh, I forgot that guy's last name. We know the name. We knew the name of some of these guys. Anyway, so uh, some of them were long term, you know, known uh, folks who were ex-LAPD or ex-Clearwater or whatever. Um, and some of them, oh, Dave Lebeau, that was the name, Dave Lebeau. I think he died recently, last year. And, uh, anyway, so they do, they, they have both, is the answer to the question.
1: All right, Robert Roberts, about a year ago, you were emotional about some harassment you were receiving from the church. Has enough time passed that you could share more about it?
0: Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't I I don't know. I I don't really like talking about that stuff too much. Um You know, I I have had, you know, because there the thing about the way the church operates is they do stuff in such a way that you can't tell if it's if it's actually them or not. And so I'm left as a critical thinker with these doubts and uncertainties about where some of these troubles have come from. Occam's Razor says the most obvious answer when I'm experiencing any trouble, trolling, harassment, anything like that, would be the Church of Scientology. But I have also pissed off some other people. I have done interviews um, with um, other former cult members, and those cults aren't happy with me any more than Scientology is. And I have gotten some emails and some, you know, harassing, threatening type communications that, um, you know, indicate to me that it's not just Scientology that could have a problem with me or could want to hack me, destroy my computer, throw ransomware my way. You know, uh, hack my Amazon Mm -hmm. accounts, hack all my social media accounts. Um, you know, this stuff happens and is it, you know, can you tell all the time if it's random or if it's targeted sometimes, you know, I've gotten very, very, very specific emails from some sources that can't be traced, um, you know, saying things to me that were very personal. So you go, well, that seems a little bit more than just a random harasser. You know, but there's always these question marks connected with all this stuff, and I don't know what to think about all of that necessarily. Except it's the slings and arrows that I get to take because of the work that I do, mm-hmm. and that's and I and I try not to put myself out as um, I don't know I I you know maybe martyr is too strong a word, but I I, I don't want to go in that direction at all. Oh, look at all this work I'm doing. Feel sorry for me because all these bad things are happening. It's kind of, you know, it's a little bit. It goes with the territory to a degree. Um, I, obviously, when people are breaking laws, I'm not happy about that, though. And I don't expect that or want any of that. So.
1: All right. The next, Tower Vault. Do you, did you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Vampire Diaries? I loved both.
0: I watched Buffy movie was the corniest damn thing I've ever yes, seen in my life it was the best it was awesome uh the tv show I actually only started looking into after I got out of Scientology uh, part of the great binge right of going back and catching up on everything that I had not seen in the last 20 years and so Buffy was one of those things I watched the first season meh mm, you know it wasn't really my thing but I'm watching it at this point as a 40-year-old guy, right? In my 40 not mm-hmm. not as again the target demographic for the show. So, didn't really totally appeal to me as much as it as it probably would have when it was new and and fresh, but I was otherwise occupied when it was new and fresh. So,
1: yeah. All right, and this is a question for me. Melissa, can you tell us something that that you like and makes you laugh? Um, I don't know. The only things I can think of right now is stand-up comedy for sure say like lewis black is one of my favorites so that makes me laugh he makes me laugh i follow him on facebook and he always has good stuff to say
0: <laughs> yes and we have probably torn through every single yes. stand-up comedy show on netflix mm-hmm. and are looking and we've, we've gone to prime now we're so desperate for for comedy we are now on prime not a good place for comedy and Not
1: as good as Netflix.
0: No. no. I mean, Gaffigan's new special is pretty good, but
1: yeah. um,
0: where he does uh, Canada and Barcelona, mm-hmm. um, he does these two specials. That's pretty good. But uh, otherwise, most Amazon Prime comedy specials are really pretty bad. At least the ones we've sampled so far. We've been looking. So.
1: All right. Norman can asks, what is Miss Cavage's relation to QAnon?
0: Um... What is Miscavige's relation to QAnon? Yep. Oh, I don't know that there's any relationship between Miscavige and QAnon. Um, it's funny. I'm actually going to be on somebody's podcast tomorrow talking about QAnon, and I've got some research and stuff to do this afternoon. So I don't want to sit here and say authoritatively there is no connection, but I, I'm not aware of anything. I know that Scientologists um, are deep conspiracy theorists. M- many of them are, at least. and. Um, and, and I know that some of them are falling into some of the QAnon stuff, but I don't know about Miscavige directly.
1: Okay. Matt C., with Mark Bunker being on the Clearwater City Council and that taking up most of his time, do you think his documentary will ever see the light of day?
0: No. I don't at this point. I mean, unless he's making other arrangements to get it edited and released. And I don't know. I'm not privy to what those arrangements or ideas might be. Um, but if we can make a note, I will reach out to him about that. Because I did reach out to him a couple of years ago and offered some help on that. And I think he had gotten sick. There was, there was something that, that had really taken him off the, the, the lines a bit. Um, so I'll, I'll reach out to him and see what, he, see what his plans are on that
1: okay and then um chris says is oh in the response to earlier is that why tommy davis doesn't talk will he ever
0: yeah tommy davis probably did get a handsome payout um and tommy davis regardless of whether he did or didn't get a handsome payout his parents are both hardcore scientologists ann archer and i think terry jastrow i think is his dad Um, anyway, they're both, you know, heavy media celebrity type people The dad's a producer, mom's an actress. Um, and they're gonna, I think they're, they're also have, have, uh, that, that family connection, I think is significant as to why he's not speaking out more so than I, but I mean, I'm guessing here again, this is supposition on my part. I was never, you know, intimately involved with Tommy Davis's family, but, um, Family is, you know, strong ties and Scientology will definitely tighten the thumbscrews on the family to keep, you know, keep this kid in line. He's lucky we didn't declare him, you know, Mm -hmm. after what he pulled sort of thing. So Tommy Davis probably had years of making up the damage and maybe even secretly declared a suppressive for a while. I mean, and did his A to E. I mean, it's, it's completely conceivable that that happened. So, um, you know, anyway, that's what All I can right. say about Tommy. <laughs> For whatever reason, he's definitely keeping his mouth shut.
1: Tim Greenglass asks, is Xenu
0: dead? No, Xenu is uh, kept in a uh, fortress, in, oh, locked up in a mountain, fortress. with an uh, electric uh, force field keeping him in there that has <laughs> a, a never-dying infinite battery. If that oh, that's really? not a direct quote from Hubbard, but that's uh Hubbard Never
1: die infinite battery, yeah, I need one of those.
0: yeah, Zeno ain't going nowhere.
1: all right yeah. preacher eleven thirty eight are some Scientology critics ever falsely accused of being Scientology plants?
0: Yes, yeah, that happens um it, you know, here's the thing about the ex Scientology community, okay is we're a fairly paranoid lot <laughs> uh and with reason. Right? Because Scientology is a destructive cult, and it does what it does. And the Office of Special Affairs is real. And it has real people doing real work 24-7. And they want, part of that work is, is uh, turning people against former Scientology critics, uh, people in the community. Right? So all this spy craft and intelligence work that you hear about in the big wide world goes on within this world, uh, within the Scientology world. So we have reason to be fearful of other people who are acting weird or acting strangely. Yet at the same time, we're a community of trauma survivors. And if you can get the irony here, which is the only reason I'm kind of laughing right now about this, you know, here's a bunch of people who have good reason to be paranoid, but are also trauma survivors with PTSD who are a bit paranoid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this play back and forth of this can be really difficult. And when people are having some emotional moments or breakdowns or incidents where things are stressful or anxious and they're having fights and things are getting tense on the internet and then accusations start flying around and people... Uh, sometimes have good reasons to make those accusations, and sometimes it's based wholly on the heat of the moment emotions. And that's the truth of the situation with that. you know, Have there been plants in the ex-Scientology world? Yes, we have documented fact that there have been. Um, and that's what makes it you know, difficult when accusations start flying around. Um, it's been also utilized by OSA to throw it back at the accuser. Oh, everybody's an OSA mm-hmm. plant now, right? And so you know, so you, so it even becomes a counter to a what could be a legitimate accusation of somebody being an OSA plant. Here you have a real person who's really a plant, and you say you're a plant, and they go, "Oh, you call everybody a plant, <laughs> right?" So it becomes it it gets to be like it's got it's done so often. In other words, that 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 it becomes a defense. I hope that makes sense.
1: All right. Then Fred Flo just asked, didn't you want to talk about some TV series like The Path, Handmaid's Tale, or On Becoming a God in Central Florida?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are coming. I've still got those uh, planned to uh, do as shows. I'm um, just constantly working through my backlogs and trying to get stuff caught up, but I've got a whole list of things that I'm going to be putting videos together on uh, cults and entertainment and cults and media. All
1: right. Mackie 1987 will you be watching Dune when it comes out did you ever read it
0: yes I did and yes I did Uh, (laughs) or yes I will and yes I did and I'm I'm kind of um I maybe looking forward to it is too strong I'm (laughs) I'm I'm curious what uh what uh is gonna or I don't know how to say his name um the director the guy who did he's the same guy who did Blade Runner 2049 he's doing Dune Um, I've seen a couple stills from the pre-production. We'll see. You know, I, David Lynch's Dune was one of the, like, most god-awful experiences of cinema I've ever had to live through, similar to, I had similar feelings to the David Lynch's Dune that I have to Battlefield Earth. I really do not hold anything in that. The only thing about David Lynch's Dune that I liked, that I honestly enjoyed watching, was Sting. I really, I enjoyed watching Sting play Fade Rotha in that, um, in that story. I, I did not enjoy anything else about that movie. And I had read the first three books prior, or the, I definitely read Dune, and I think I was into the second book of Dune when I saw Lynch's Dune. So anyway, okay. over long answer, but yeah, there you go.
1: All right, and then Tower Vault says, you don't have to answer it here, but did you get my Thomas Edison question by email?
0: Uh, I think so. Send it to me again just to make sure. It's not coming ding, ding, ding right up. I keep a queue. I have a text file, and every question people send me by email, I throw it into the queue. So, if, so it might be there, but I can't check right now. Um, but send it to me again just to make sure.
1: All right. <clears throat> and then Matt, see, I've noticed in some of your videos that you sometimes have Star Wars collectibles in the background. Are you an active Star Wars collector?
0: Not collector. I'm just a I'm just a science fiction and comic book buff, and I enjoy having imagery and iconic icons and stuff like that around. I've got I've got uh, the Batmobiles. I got Lego Batmobiles up here, and um, little Star Wars gadgets and gadgets and stuff these guys up here are kind of us a little bit because we got the spartan cheerleaders (laughs) iron man and wonder woman there (laughs) and that's how we those are these are our heroes so
1: (laughs) all right and then all right so ex-scientology how's denver handling the coronavirus any demonstrations downtown do most people comply with mask wearing
0: uh denver here is seeing protests yeah um, yep. there have been quite a few conflicts over the last couple of weeks here it's not been fun we mm-hmm. have been staying indoors we are sheltering yeah, inside and
1: we're not too close to downtown so no we good. are not
0: we are over on the other side of town uh we're very happy about that um i am not at all impressed by all these protests i don't think they're at all accomplishing what people want to accomplish I think they're just making things worse. And um, that's my opinion about them overall. And you guys have heard my content about, you know, Black Lives Matter specifically. Um, so I'm not going to repeat all of that here again.
1: All right. Then Fault, where we'll be able to find the podcast where you will talk about QAnon.
0: Uh, In the future, that podcast exists. Um, Like I said, I'm going to be doing some research this afternoon um, and doing a podcast with somebody else on their show about QAnon tomorrow. And from that, I'm going to gauge whether I want to do my own show about it, which I'm pretty sure I do, because it seems to just be growing and picking up a lot of attention. I'm a little surprised, actually, but I shouldn't be. It's an election year and it's got and it's connected to Trump. So, of course, people are going to be more and more fascinated by it so um probably in a few weeks probably do something on it
1: yeah so question for both of us favorite styles of music
0: mm. this is always a tough one because i'm so damn eclectic
1: yeah you like a lot of stuff
0: i do um
1: for me it's like indie rock alternative rock Yeah. Weird stuff. Chris goes, "What are you listening to?" I don't <laughs> understand.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think in a, I, I think in a way, techno is my favorite style of music, but I I I, I hesitate to say that because I'm not talking about trance beats, and I'm not talking about like you know nothing but rhythmic hip you know <laughs> trance induction <laughs> like you know standing on the floor drugged out. I'm not talking about any of that. I like really high level, high quality stuff, but I I don't know how to describe it. Maybe I just am missing the right words. But I I really like that. But at the same time, my favorite band ever is Rush. Um, with a healthy you know dose of Sting and Don Henley and going all the way back to um, you know, uh, Billy Joel. I don't know. So I'm kind of all I'm I'm all I'm around. I'm all, I'm on a lot, I'm on a lot of places musically. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ex Scientology. Have you seen Dr. Christopher DiCarlo's book on critical thinking? So you think you can think: tools for having intelligent conversations and getting
0: along. Um, I have seen the book. I have not read it. Okay. Yes, I literally have a reading stack that is this high, and I'm and I'm trying to get through it. I I really am.
1: All right, <laughs> and then uh... As I want to
0: read these things. <laughs>
1: Hey Han, hi. This may seem uh, irrelevant, but it's been bugging me, and I can't find an answer. Why is he referred to explicitly as Elron and not Lafayette Ronald Ron or something? Did he just prefer it?
0: Well, okay. No one in Scientology calls him Elron. Um, in the world of Scientology, Hubbard is referred to as Ron, L R H, the old man, um, source. These are all terms that are used to talk about L. Ron Hubbard. Um, If you are talking about him formally, you will use L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, You know, no one calls him Ronald. Ronald is only uh, on the Spanish translation uh, of the books, L. Ronald Hubbard. Uh, No one calls him Lafayette. And it's almost um, a joking and degrading. You can get in trouble if you joke around about Hubbard's name and start calling him Lafayette all the time. Sometimes, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you can get away with it. You know, it's not totally mausoleum like in Scientology, but um, but they don't appreciate jokes about the old man. So that's anyway, that's kind of how Hubbard is referred to.
1: Right. And do you guys listen to Weird Al from Preacher 1138?
0: Yeah, we talk about him all the time.
1: Yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. The Nice Santa Went Crazy is probably my favorite song of his.
0: <laughs> now, what was um, L. Ron Hubbard here was talking? Was saying some comment about something I didn't respond to. About
1: Mark Bunker.
0: Mark Bunker. What did he want? To, what did he want to know about Mark Bunker?
1: Um, I think he was rude about Mark Bunker. Oh, talking about how he's ruining stuff.
0: Are you being rude about Mark Bunker, or do you have honest questions, Elrond <laughs> Hubbard? Inquiring minds want to know.
1: Trying to find the comment. Oh, okay. Mark Bunker has stabbed the citizens of Clearwater in the back. That's one of his comments.
0: Oh. Mm. Oh.
1: Talk about the turnaround of Mark Bunker. Are
0: you going to have to clarify what you're talking about? Because I'm not sure what you mean. Do you are if you're referring to Mark Bunker's? I understood it to be a little tongue in cheek that Mark Bunker was um, promoting. Let's use Scientology to promote Clearwater. <laughs> hey it's a scientology town come on down (laughs) you can come and visit the church of scientology i i i think he's joking around but i i might be missing something on that um not deeply involved with it at this moment so i don't know a whole lot more than that but yeah i guess that's what he's referring to i i think i don't think mark bunker has turned tail or turn cheek and and is now (laughs) promoting scientology and is on their side or something i don't think he's doing a marty rathbun pretty sure that's not the case yeah mark bunker is i mean he's as real and original and old school as they get um the man is amazing and uh if somebody's assert otherwise they're gonna have to show me evidence that he's (laughs) strong uh, strong evidence yeah strong evidence because Munker's quite quite something um i think he's i think he's trying to just you know get scientology's goat in some other way he's he's gonna keep doing that kind of thing for a while and and like i said unless there's something i'm really out of the loop on or don't know excuse me oh yes cobra kai this is gonna actually i actually want to do a video about the cult aspects of cobra kai I started writing that uh, in the middle of season two, and then I realized that, anyway, yeah, I think there's, uh, I think there's, there's a video there. I, I like it. I like the show. I like what they're doing with it. I'm not, like, you know, out of my head ecstatic about it, but I, I, I enjoyed the first two seasons, and I'm curious what they're, what they're going to do with it. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, um, and for those of you who don't, I'm about to blow your minds, but the guy who plays Kyle Reese... Uh, not Kyle Reese. Um, what is his name? Let me look it up. Actually, Kai. Right. Martin. Um... Oh no, 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 not that. Like, uh, no. Sorry, guys. Martin Cove. Yeah, Martin Cove is the actor's name. And um, John Creese. there we go. I knew that the character's name, John Creese, is the dojo master uh, of the Cobra Kai. And he's a cult leader. He's just, he's just got a little cult going on in his dojo. He, in real life, the actor is a Scientologist. <laughs> <laughs> just thought you guys would like to know that. I um, I have no idea how he got in. Um, I think it was through author services he was doing. I all I, I the, he first came on the map as a Scientologist for me because he was doing book reads. Uh, he was doing actor reads at author services of L. Ron Hubbard Pulp Fiction books, where they would do performances of them and they would do live performances with different. <laughs> actors playing the different characters in the books and it's an interesting way of promoting hubbard's old fiction works i mean it's a a way of doing it and they get hollywood actors in there and they got martin cove and i always thought is he a scientologist this was when i was in the sea org this is years ago i thought is he a scientologist and i wasn't really sure and then i saw his name around and i saw his name around and then when cobra kai came back uh I looked it up and sure enough, yeah, definitely. He's having a little career resurgence right now because of this. And I don't know, honestly, good for him. I'm kind of happy about the Cobra Kai Karate Kid franchise, what they're doing with it. As far as him as a Scientologist goes, that's really fucked up. I really wish he wasn't one. Um, But uh, I don't particularly know a whole lot about the guy personally. So anyway, I just thought you guys might find that interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know about um, Zenu's battery only lasting 75 million years. <laughs> I recall the way I recall it. Hubbard said it was an infinite battery; it was never going to die. And I remember that concept sticking with me in my head. So, uh, if you wanted to email me with a with a quote or reference that you can send to me about that, I'm more than happy to look at it. Do we have anything else?
1: Oh, we've got two other ones. All
0: right, let's wrap those up, and then we will wrap up the show here.
1: Have you played any vampire-based video games you could recommend?
0: I have not.
1: Okay, and I didn't even try to think if I've ever played any vampire. I, I don't games. even
0: know. I mean, are there very many vampire-based video? Games?
1: I think there are. I just don't remember if I've played any of them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm. Uh mm.
1: I guess not. All right. And then since the Church of Scientology doesn't like drugs, do they feel the same about alcohol or do they accept it when people drink?
0: No, they're fine with people drinking. People drink all the time in Scientology. Um, In fact, in the Sea Org, Hubbard would have the Bosun's party and bring out cases of of drinks on the ship. Um, There's a yearly Christmas party. They do a beer and cheese party every year at every org around the world, um, paid for by management. It's a Hubbard tradition. So, yeah, they're okay on drinking. <laughs> just, just not to excess. The idea is to be temperament or temperament, you know, temperamental. Mind mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. alcohol consumption. And you can't drink within 24 hours of an auditing session. Oh. Um, so, if you've had any alcohol within the last 24 hours, then you're not getting audited. Huh, okay. Yeah, so that's a thing. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so um, cool. And, um, I guess the closest, I was thinking about that video thing, I didn't want to just totally blow that question off, but I just don't know any vampire video games, but I do love Doom. Melissa can attest, I've been doing a lot of Doom 2, old OG, old school Doom.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Lately, I've been uh, having a lot of fun playing with that. So I've been shooting a lot of imps and uh, demons and devils and and, uh, mancubuses and uh
1: all those evil creatures. demon lords and all <laughs> kinds
0: of stuff oh vampire vampire the masquerade's a good one good I'll, I'll check those out cool all right all right so i think that uh norman starkey is still around as far as we know he's up at int uh kind of like heber and all the other og old school scientology executives they're just kind of wasting away up there it's pretty sad okay um <laughs> yeah hubbard's music from the 80s sucked yeah
1: that
0: <laughs> sucked all right guys i think right. we'll wrap up now this has been a fun hour talking to you guys thank you very much for your questions and feedback and uh for those of you who sent in super chats did we get to those super chat questions did we yeah, get we all have, of them okay yeah. good thank you very much for those i really really appreciate the support it is uh what keeps the lights on and the show going here guys so, that all being said, um, I want to say again, damn, I appreciate you guys. I really, really do. Thank you for coming around and listening to me um, go on at a Mad Rate right here and, uh, and being part of this uh, channel and this show. And uh, with that happy note, I will see you guys uh, Wednesday, I think. Yep. Yeah, Wednesday we'll be back for Critical Conversations.
1: All right. You guys have a good day.
0: All right.